Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Man, I love that song. He's been so good to us. And I want to invite you tonight. We're going to get right into this. 1 Corinthians chapter number 11. And we'll be reading verses. Uh, we'll begin reading um, in verse number 23. 1 Corinthians chapter number 11. And verse number 23. I want to thank the preachers that have come out to support Brother Kyle. I know he is honored and I'm honored that you're here tonight. What a blessing and an encouragement that is tonight. 1 Corinthians chapter number 11, verses 23 through 34. Kind of a different passage, but stay with me because I promise that the Lord has something for us in the Word of God tonight. 1 Corinthians chapter number 11. Look at verse number 23 if you would. Word of God says this, For I have received... Of the Lord, that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, he took bread. When he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body. Notice these words, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. And after the same manner also he took the cup, and when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood, this do ye as often as ye drink it. In remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death till he come. Let us pray together tonight. Our Father, we thank you, Lord, that you are so good to us. Lord, we thank you for your love tonight. Lord, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for your spirit, Lord, even evident in this place tonight. God, I thank you for your word. I believe it's always right on time. And I, Lord, we never come together where it's by accident. Lord, we're here on purpose tonight. And it's your will that we're here tonight. Lord, I pray, Lord, that you would help me to decrease so that you can increase. Lord, I pray tonight, Lord, that we don't hear from a man, but God, we hear from you. Lord, I pray that your spirit would have liberty in our hearts and our minds. I pray that your word would teach us and grow us. I pray that you would start with me tonight. Lord, bless everything that is said and done. May you receive glory, honor, and praise in the church tonight. In your precious, in your worthy, in your holy name we pray. Amen. Amen. Of course, if you know your Bible, 1 Corinthians, Paul is writing this letter to the church at Corinth and he's addressing different issues um, within the church. He begins by dealing with the issues of disunity and that's really what the whole book is about, about how as a church we should be a unified church. There were many problems that had risen up in the Corinthian church. It was a very carnal church. The church at Corinth was located in a place. um, It was an isthmus. It would have been a trading route. People would have been in and out. All different types of people there. Almost like a New York City um, type atmosphere as, as far as it went to race and demographics. All different types of people there. Um, The church is in the temple. The temple had begun to be corrupted in many different ways. And he he, he hits the issues of Christians suing each other. He talks about marriage and divorce. He addresses the issues of sexual immorality in the church. And then here they were specifically abusing the Lord's Supper. The church at Corinth was a church that needed revival. And can I just say this? As I begin to study this text and think about it, I believe that Paul lays out a recipe for revival in this text. And let me just say this tonight before we get, it, get, in, get into this text is this. If we're going to see revival, it's not just going to be things out there getting fixed. It's going to be stuff in here getting fixed. 
It's going to start tonight with you, and it's going to start tonight with me. See, well, we can fall into this trap as believers and as conservatives and as Christians that the world's the problem and all these issues are the problem. But I got news for you tonight. Let me tell you what the problem is. The problem is maybe the church hasn't been doing its job for the last hundred years. We've been distracted by nonsense and stupidity. We've been fighting, and we haven't seen revival. And what Paul does in this text, as the church of Corinth is going through all these issues, He's going to lay out, he's reminding them about the purpose of when we come together. He's going to remind us what it's all about. And I want you to look, first of all, if we're going to have revival, some things that we're going to have to do. Look at verse number 23. That the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, take, eat. This is my body. And notice these words. Which is broken for you. Can I just say this tonight? If we're going to have revival, the first thing that we're going to have to do is to look back. Yep. I think sometimes we forget. And I think sometimes after we've been saved for a little while, we forget the price that has been paid for us. And I just want to remind you for a minute tonight. Remember that he was betrayed for you. It says this, the same night in which he was betrayed, his body was broken for you. And I just want to remind you tonight that he bled for you. Yeah. Look at verse number 25. Yeah. After the same manner also he took the cup. And when he had supped saying this cup is the New Testament in my blood. After we've been saved for a little while. If we're not careful we can get used to what we're even doing tonight. Yeah. And what we're doing tonight is awesome. Hey his he spilled and poured His blood out so that we could be together as the church. He died tonight for the church. We must remember tonight the sacrifice that He made for us. Imagine yourself sometime in the garden watching as Judas betrays our Lord with a kiss and they haul him away as a common thief or a criminal. Imagine yourself sometime in the courtroom when they unjustly try him, they falsely accuse him, making a mockery of the judge of the universe. Imagine yourself sometime in the gallery as they tie our Savior's hands together, putting a rope over a hook attached to a pulley, and they lift his body till it's stretched out, Christ being on his tiptoes, an executioner steps forward who looks like he has a love for the job that he does. He takes that whip, that cat of nine tails, those metal or sharpened bone tied in the nine strands to carve the Savior's body. The psalmist prophesied of this in Psalms 120. He says, The plowers plowed upon my back and they made long their furrows. It's said that as the, as the metal digs into the skin of the victim, when the whip is ripped back, strips of skin and muscle would listen, what would be shredded from the person's body. Many of the scourging victims would never make it to the cross because they wouldn't survive the nine razor strands of whip hitting you 39 times, leaving 351 open lacerations on your side, abdomen, and back. Imagine yourself among the soldiers after he was scourged. They placed in purple robe and a crown of thorns and mocked him saying, Hail King of the Jews, laughing and mocking the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. They take that robe and they rip it off his back after it already began to dry and it rips open every single womb again. Picture yourself among the crowd sometimes as they force our Savior to carry the weight of the cross on His torn shoulders, the wood splintering into His already raw flesh, the weight of the cross causing deep bruises on the shoulders of Christ. He finally, because of being exhausted, collapses under the weight of the wood. And by the way, He was going willingly. No one was making Him go. 
Caleb. Picture yourself as a new recruit soldier looking over the shoulders of the other soldiers that are nailing the second person of the Trinity to the cross. They push and shove him. And they shove him over the cross, laying him onto the wood. One soldier has been over the cross, pulling out a packet of those three railroad spike-looking nails. He, he takes that first nail and he nails it through that first hand. Those same hands that fed the 5,000. Yeah. Those same hands that lifted and healed the lame. The same hands that pressed the clay to the eyes of the blind, healing his blindness. That same hand that holds us and protects us from all evil. Watch as they lift high the cross Above the, with the weight of Christ hanging from it. And they have to hit the base of that cross with the club to get it positioned over that hole that's five to six feet deep. And as it begins to fall into that hole, it jerks every bone out of joint. The hands are ripped that much more. His body is jarred. In fact, the 22nd Psalm says that all of his bones were dislocated and out of joint. Stand in the crowd around the cross as Christ suffers and bleeds and he dies. For our sins. Watch as a member of the crowd standing next to you yells out, quoting Christ from earlier in his ministry and mocking him, saying, If thou if thou destroyest thou temple and build it in three days, save thyself if thou be the Son of God. Christ was dying for the very man that was mocking him. Watch as even one of the second that justly, one of the two that justly crucified with him mocks him also in Luke 23, saying, as one of the malefactors which hanged railed on him, saying, If thou be Christ, save us and thyself. Look at verse 24. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take eat, this is my body, and here it is. We're going to have revival, which is broken for you. I just want to remind you tonight that He wasn't just betrayed for the whole world. He was betrayed for you. He was betrayed for us. He was spit on for us. He was mocked for us. He was beaten for us. He was whipped for us. He had a crown of thorn placed on His head for us. He had that purple robe ripped from His back for us. He had those nails driven in His hands for us. That spear put through His side for us. He suffered as no man ever suffered tonight for us. As Isaiah put it, He was despised and rejected of men. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. He had borne our sorrows. He had carried our griefs. He was smitten of God. He was afflicted. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. He was chastised. He was oppressed. He was afflicted. He Listen, he, he, he was cut off, bruised, put to grief, made an offering for sin. He bore our iniquities. He poured out our soul unto death. And He did that tonight. We must be reminded. He did that not just for the world's sin. Yes. Not just for somebody else's sin. Yes. He did that tonight for my sin. Yes. And for your sin. Yes. It's good for us every once in a while to go back to that day before we were saved by the grace of God. I think sometimes after we've been in church for a little while, we get used to the songs and we get used to coming together and we get used to the prayer time. We get used to the preaching and we start thinking after a little while that our salvation has something to do with us. I just want to remind you tonight, your salvation has nothing to do with who you are or what you've done, but who He is and what He's done. And if we're going to have revival every day of our lives, we've got to look back and say, thank you, Lord, for saving me. Man, go back to that day. You remember it? Man, you remember who you were? And I, I say it all the time, I'm not everything that I should be, but I'm sure glad I'm not what I used to be. I'm yeah. thankful to Lord that He took Amen. me up out of the mire and clay, yes. and He set my feet upon a rock, and He established my going. Yes. Listen, right. He knows everything about us tonight. I, I talked about it a little bit Sunday, but I just want to remind you, I know this is the Tuesday night crowd, and we're the, we have preachers in here, and we're spiritual tonight, but He knows everything about us. Yeah, he knows our deepest, darkest secret. You're exactly right. 
He knows, listen, He knows anything you've ever done. Yes. But God commendeth His love toward us. In that, listen, He, he died for us. Yeah. In that sin. If we're going to have revival, I just want to encourage you every day. Never forget that price that was paid for you. Yeah. Maybe here tonight, you've never, you've never accepted that gift that's already been paid for. I just want to say this. Don't leave here tonight. Listen, He loves you tonight. Right. He wants to forgive you tonight. Oh, he wants you to accept Him tonight. If we're going to have revival, the first thing we've got to do is we've got to look back and remember what He paid on the cross. Secondly, look at verse 27. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. Notice these words. We don't like this as Baptists. But let a man examine, what's the next word? Himself. After we've looked back at the cross, you know what we've got to do from our revival? Personal revival, we've got to look in. We've got to look back, and we've got to look in. We've got to examine ourselves. We've got to judge ourselves. Now, we're, we're really good at judging everybody else. Anybody else like that? Yeah. Unfortunately, we lived in Maryland for 14 years. And thank God, God delivered us from that God for <laughs> They're the house of so It's opposite of Montana. Okay? It's opposite of Statesville, where I'm at. There, listen, there, we would look out our house. We had a split-level house. And literally, the next house was to that piano. You could spit in your neighbor's window. Okay? <laughs> And I'm a little bit of a clean freak, and you may not be like that. I like my stuff in the right place. I want my truck clean. I want my clothes organized. I want my office desk is going to be clear. I got issues, okay? <laughs> and we had a little level house. And I remember walking out of the deck, and uh, we had a little Boston Terrier at that time named Turkington. God rest his soul. He, he got put down just a few months ago. It's a hard thing to do with forever. A turtle still alive, our Boston Terrier. We walked down that split level deck. It was on the second floor. And you walked out of your kitchen, kind of on his deck, next stairs, that went in the backyard. Why? We had some new neighbors that had moved next door to us. I looked back there and they had all this junk in their backyard. And they looked like they were from North Carolina. I don't know if you know what that means. <laughs> <laughs> they had all this junk back there. And I started getting a little mad. I started thinking to myself, man, they've got, this is a nice neighborhood. I like my, you know, I'm kind of, I have lines in my grass. It's got, I just like, I, I like them right. That's good preaching. Amen? Amen. And I started getting the flesh a little bit. Well, Turk needed to do his business, and we're up on his deck, so I opened that little door that, we had a screen in porch on my deck, and I opened that door, Turk needed to go down and do his business. We walked down, I'm walking down with him, looking around, and I had forgotten. I'm over there, just, I was fuming, okay? It's in the flesh, I was angry. And I looked under my deck, I hadn't been down there in a minute, and I had forgotten that we had remodeled the bathroom upstairs. Guess what was sitting there? Toilet? A bunch of broken up tile? Draw, drywall? Just it was a mess. You ever have those moments where God kind of just punches you in the stomach? You know what God taught me in that moment? So often I'm worried about everybody else's backyard. Yeah, come on now. When I got enough junk in my home. Yeah. Listen, if we're going to have revival, can I just be honest with you tonight? We've got to start looking at everybody else's backyard. That's good. And we've got to start looking at our own home and examining ourselves. If we're going to have revival, we've got to look back. We've got to look in. Is there something inside of us that we know we've got to give to the Lord? You know, Christ makes us worthy at salvation. And aren't you thankful tonight we stand in His righteousness? When God sees us, He sees His Son, and we're thankful for that. Philippians 3.9 says this, And being found in Him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. 2 Corinthians 5.21 For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we may be made in the righteousness of God in him. So salvation, we were made righteous. But listen, Christ makes us worthy at confession after salvation. Yeah. 
If we confess our sin, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And I probably mentioned this already this week, but when it comes to confession, listen, you, God already knows about it. So think about this. Confession ain't for Him. You know who confession's for? It's for us. It's us being honest with ourselves. Because we can't get help until, we're, until we admit we got a problem. So if we're in a while, we've got to look back and we've got to look in. Man, that thing that we're holding on to. Man, that bitterness. That pride issue. I mean, whatever it is, I want to encourage you tonight that you examine yourself and you give it to Him. You look back and you look in. 2 Corinthians 13, 15 says, Examine yourselves, whether you be in the faith, and prove your own selves. Galatians 6, 4, But let every man prove his work. Listen, works aren't the root of salvation. They are the fruit of salvation. James chapter number 3. That's right. Man, so we have to. Man, we've got to make sure that we're right with that thing. Man, that we're not having unconfessed sin and we're hindering our prayers. Man, we got to make sure that we're not unconfessing sin and coming in and saying, oh, the Lord never speaks to me. And man, nothing ever good. We've got to give it to Him. We've got to be honest. We've got to look back and we've got to look in and confess. And then thirdly, I won't spend a lot of time on this one tonight, but not only do we look back, we look in. We need to look around. He says this in verse number 33, Wherefore, my brethren, when you come together to eat, tarry for one another. Listen, we need to look around not to examine each other, but to see if we need to get our heart's attitude right towards other. Well, Think about this. Do you have bitterness against another brother? Are you jealous of another brother? Are you still carrying a grudge against another Christian? Do you still refuse to talk to a certain person unless they approach you? You see, part of examining yourself is examining your heart attitude towards your brothers and sisters in Christ. Yeah. Listen to me. There are two great parts to the Christian life. Your relationship with God. Listen. Your relationship with each other. Let me just say this tonight. If your relationships with each other are right, your relationships with God ain't going to be right. I've seen a whole lot more churches destroyed by idiots within the church than any of those sins we can think of outside the church. I'm just telling you. I could get up here and preach against it. I'm just telling you, same-sex married people shout and swing from chandeliers. We're against it. You know? yes. I could preach against this and that. Stuff that never that affects the church hardly. We start talking about pride. Yep. I've seen pride rip churches right now. Sure. I've seen gossip rip churches right now. Yep. 100%. Yep. See, we're, we want everything else dealt with. we got to deal with this. Judgment begins at the house of God. Yep. Our attitude and our relationships you know what great churches, great marriages, great friendships are real long people that learn to forgive each other over and over and over. That's over. good. Mm-hmm. That's so good. People are going to disappoint you. People are going to give you problems. Your, pa- your pastors are going to disappoint you at some point. You got it. Yep. You're going to disappoint him at some point. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just telling you. We are imperfect people in an imperfect church serving a perfect God. We've got to learn. If we're going to, you know why a lot of times people won't come to church because they've seen all the stupidity. Yeah. People fighting over the color of carpet. Yeah. <laughs> Gag of maggots. Right. Well, people are dying and going to hell, and we got people fighting because somebody wants to moose up on the platform. Oh boy, it's been help us. Somebody that's at my church, I'll just tell you what I do. We have a pretty big crowd. I'll tell you what I'll do. Somebody tries to put an ultimate like me. 
I, I'm gonna go grab that thing right in front of me. I'm gonna walk out to the dumpster. I'm gonna stick my tongue out and stick it in there. <laughs> <laughs> Joking, of course, kind of. Okay. No, you're <laughs> but sometimes God's people can be the meanest people sure. yeah. to each other. You're right. They can hold bitterness. They can hold problems. Listen, if we're going to see God do something great here and in this world, then the church of God's got to learn to get together and yeah. get along with each other. Yeah. I mean, how's your relationships? I mean, if there's someone you haven't forgiven, can I just encourage not forgiving? Man, let it go. Get past it. We've got to look back. And by the way, say, well, you don't know what they've done to me, preacher. Aren't you thankful tonight that God doesn't look at us that way? Yeah. Aren't you thankful tonight that we just say, oh, well, they just might do it again. Oh, they just done this so many times. No, every time. Oh, I'm so thankful to report to you. Every time I've ran from him, every time I've got away from him, the moment that I turn back to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us of sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He's never there with his back turned. He's there at the end of the road when that prodigal comes home. He's sprinting out of the middle. He's going to go to a party. He's going to get the bad cat. He's going to get the best road. In the best ring. Amen. That's our state. Yes. That's our God. That's our example tonight. And if our right, listen, our relationships must be right. We gotta look back. We gotta look in. We've got to look around. Think of this verse. This one, this one hurts. 1 John 4:20. If a man say, I love God, hateth his brother. <laughs> this is hard. He is a liar. For he that loveth his brother who he can see, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? Part of examining ourselves and examining our heart's attitude towards others. Just think about it tonight. Is there someone you're resentful of? I've struggled with this stuff before. You're probably a whole lot more spiritual than me. I've had people that, man, it just irked me. I've had people that just bothered me. I've had people where, man, there was bitterness because of maybe something that was said, something that was done. Listen, is there someone you need to forgive? Matthew chapter 5, this is tough too. Greatest sermon ever preached by the greatest preacher that's ever preached. Therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar and rememberest that thou hath ought against, that brother hath ought against thee, leave there thy gift before the altar and go thy way and first be reconciled to thy brother and then come get thy gift. That's the Bible tonight. If you're serving and you have bitterness towards another brother, you need to get that thing right. That's right. If I had a bad attitude towards someone, a critical spirit towards another, listen, I just encourage you, if we're going to have revival, we're going to see it, we've got to get that stuff right. Amen. You can't, we can't get our slate clean before God until we get our slate clean before others. Mark eleven twenty five 25 says this, And when you stand praying, forgive, if you have ought against any, that your Father also, which is in heaven, may forgive your trespasses. You say, preacher, you don't know what they've done to me. You remember when they came to Jesus and said, well, how many times do we forgive? Y'all remember yeah. that? Yeah. Yeah. What did he say? Seven times seven. If you're like me, I got my calculator out. I'm keeping track. You know what that? You know what he's trying to tell us? Yeah. That's what I said earlier. Over. <coughs> over. Mm. Isn't that what God's grace is? What you mean? Isn't that who He is? How come as believers, many times we're the opposite of that? We're the best at pushing people away and disqualifying people. I'm thankful tonight that He qualifies. Hey, listen. He, he qualifies people that, people that most of us would disqualify from working in the nursery. They wouldn't pass a background check. Yeah. You think of people God used in the Bible? You ever think about this? We're so hard sometimes on people. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying we accept sin. Listen, when, when one of my buddies said, I think he stole this from somebody, but he said, you, you've all heard the phrase, we need to love the sinner and hate the sin, brother. Have you all heard that before? Mm-hmm. How about this? How about we love the sinner and hate our own sin? Sure. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? We're really good on hard on everybody else. Man, think about it. You go back to the Old Testament. We can start in Genesis. And I can show you person after person. 
who messed up terribly. But God forgave him, God gave him grace, and God used him in a great way. That's what God's called us to do. What if us as believers show the same type of grace that we want to be shown to others, those people that are wrong with us? I just want to encourage you this. If there's someone that you have forgiven, and I may preach on this tomorrow, I don't know yet, but listen, unforgiveness keeps the pain alive in your life. Unforgiveness hurts you a lot more than it hurts them. That's powerful right there. Listen, I was telling them. I want to encourage you to do that. Get forgive them. It's going to weigh you down. It's going to hurt them. Listen, it, it's not going to, they don't even, they're not, they're not laying awake at night thinking about it. Yes, they do. They, they're living rent free in your head space. Yeah, you got they may not even know you have an issue. You may not have to go to them. You just need to let it go in your own heart. And it'll help you tonight. Man, that unforgiveness. We've got to look back. Man, we've got to, we've got to look in. We've got to look around. And then lastly, this is my favorite one. We're going to have a revival. Look back. Look in. Look around. Then look at it. Look at verse number 26, what he was telling the church when it comes to the Lord's Supper. For as often as you eat this bread, that body that was broken for you, and drink this cup, that blood that was poured out for you, look what, look what he says here. Ye do show the Lord's death. Your testimony is death. But I like these last couple words. Till what? Till he come. Yeah. He says, till he come. He says, listen, after you've looked back on Christ's sufferings, after you've looked back or in and you examine yourself at confession, after you've looked around and you've gotten your heart right with Christ, if you're going to have revival every single day of our lives, we need to be living them, looking up because Christ is coming back at any moment, at any day, at any time. So often we forget that, don't we? We go through our days and we don't look back. Go through our days and we don't look in. We go, we live, we, we, we go through the week and we don't look around. We don't look up. And then Sunday morning comes around, we look up for a few minutes and we lift our hands and we sing. And then Monday rolls around and we're back to just going through the motions, going through the day. Listen, he, he has our Sunday morning and maybe our Wednesday night once in a while. But can I just remind you, he doesn't just want our Sunday morning. He doesn't just want our Wednesday night. He wants all of us all the time. And we must understand that at any moment in the twinkling of an eye, that last trump can sound and we'll be out of here. I can't wait for that day, by the way. Oh, I can't wait for it to be any day. Either by death or by rapture, we need to be living like every day when He was coming back today. I want to be ready spiritually to see my Savior split the eastern sky. And I can't wait for that day. And until that day gets here, guess what we need to do every day? We need to look back. We need to look in. We need to look around. Because one day's coming and we are going to be looking up. And we're going to be going up. And I thank God for that. And that's when He's going to make all things in this world. Listen. All these things that are wrong with the world, that's what we're going to make right. Yeah. yeah. Love it. He's coming back. Amen. We're going to meet him in the air. Word of God says this is going to be many that are ashamed of his coming. Yep. I think sometimes we think we're just going to get there and he's going to give us a big old thumbs up. And I'll be thankful that I'm there, by the way. But I don't know about you, I want to hear those words. Well done, thou good yes. and faithful yes. servant. And I think sometimes we get messed up on with that. Why would we hear that? See, for a long time, if we're not careful, we'll start thinking it's about all these rules. It's about following these set of things that we check off. Help us now. Fruit of the Spirit is this. It's love, joy. We, we could go through them. You know what all those have to do with how we treat other people? Mm-hmm. You know what he said to his disciples? How, how people will know your disciple? Yep. If what? Is anybody know it? Yep. If you have love for one another. Yep. Man, that's powerful to think about. 
Man, until He comes looking back, looking in, looking around, loving each other, serving the Lord. Man, doing everything we can to reach a lost and dying world because He is coming back. And I believe here in Whitehall, Montana, just like in Statesville, North Carolina, just like all the, all the surrounding communities, just like friends of ours that are missionaries on the foreign field, it's the same answer. And it's the gospel of Jesus Christ. And as long as there's people that are dying and going to hell, you and I, who know Jesus, I can look back every day and look in every day and look around every day and look up every day and be a witness every day. That's right. When we do those things, guess what we'll do? We'll be telling people Amen. about what God's done. You know those people you work with, their problem isn't the way they talk. You know that? Yep. Their problem isn't the places they go different than you on Friday night. Their problem isn't the way that they do all these things that we... You know what their problem is? They don't know Jesus. Amen. You can Amen. fix all those things and they can still split hell wide open. And we spend so much time trying to argue with people politically. And listen, I'm as conservative as you. I'm probably, if I told you how conservative I was, you'd think I was conspiracy theorist. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm in Montana, so I figured I'd <laughs> But we, their problem isn't that stuff. Y'all see what I'm saying? We spend so much time. I get sick opening social media. Because I see people preaching uh, the, 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 uh, the glorious gospel of the United States of America oh, instead of the glorious gospel of Christ. Oh, no. No. And I'm as American as you can get. I'm a flag-waving American. Yeah. You come, I'm just telling you. But when we're more committed to... Does everybody track with me on this? Come on. This is the than we are the gospel of Jesus come on. Christ. Come on, now. Come on, now. More, I talk to Christians all the time. I look at their social media. They're talking about that. They don't like nobody at church over there. They don't share their preacher's sermon. They share something... Lost politicians. Yeah. They don't ever invite people to church. They try to argue. You don't, you don't want to argue. You know what? Instead of arguing, instead of doing all that, you know what? Look back, look in, look around, look up, get on your knees, and maybe God will do something. Yeah, sure. What if we spent as much time praying and had a burden That's and so had a tear, listen, as we did so with all good. that stuff? All I'm trying to say is this. If we're going to see a revival, we've got to look back, we've got to look in, we've got to look around, we've got to look up because He is coming in He's any day. Those neighbors that we have, may they may be 10 miles from us, but if they don't know the Lord, can I tell you where they're going to end up? Yeah. And maybe, just maybe, God placed you in that house across the street from them, so when you see them outside, as awkward as it is, you might just be nice to them, and eventually God will open up a conversation with them. And I don't suggest you look yeah. out real quick and say, hey, if you were to die right now, do you know where you're going? Because you've got side of them. Okay. That's a good idea. But God might open up the door as you're kind. Yeah. And you're caring, yeah, right. and you're compassionate sure. to have a gospel conversation with you. Yeah, hey, those people you work with, anybody else ever have an annoying person you work with? Oh boy. I tell our church that. I said, I got four of them. They're all sitting right over here right now. So I'm, helping, I'm praying they get saved. But you know that God, you know God may have placed you in that job with that annoying boss or that person that just gets on your nerves. Instead of just arguing with them, being a jerk with them, doing all that, maybe he's just placed you there to be a missionary to that workplace. This is what I've learned in my almost time. In our world, we're, we've been really good the last 50 years at witnessing the people we don't know. We've been terrible at witnessing the people we do know. You know why I believe that is? And I'm not trying to be mean. It's because most of the time we don't act like no different than they do when we're at work. And when I say that, we'll condemn them because they do this, this, and this. But then we gossip just like they do. We're jerks just like they do. We're, we're, is that what tracking me on this? We're not even good Christians. Because we miss what being a good Christian is all about. It's about being a gracious person. It's about being humble. <laughs> it's about being 
and love, you can take a stand and still be loving. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes it's even worse. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like my wife loves, she, she, she wants to have a good fight every once in a while. She wants to, she wants to have those with me. But I'm, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to be as nice and as gracious and as kind. It's just going to make her matter. So like, <laughs> See? But you know, that's what we're called to do. A soft answer turneth away wrath. Yeah. Man, we show him the love of Christ. Think about this. Christ sat around the, the night when this was recorded in the Gospels. He sat around his disciples knowing that Jesus is going to betray him. You got it. Yeah. And guess what he did? He broke bread. Sure. And he said, this is my body. Jesus. Oh my goodness. That was broken for you. Knowing that just in a few minutes Jesus was going to walk out of that room, he had already made the deal, and he was going to go over it. <laughs> he bent down, he washed their feet. Yep. Knowing that only one of them would be at the cross. Wow. Wow. That's the kind of love he has for us. That's the kind of love he has for the world. In his betrayal, he died for one. Maybe that those thieves on the cross, those ones that were, man, he would. To, all you got to do is trust. All you got to do is believe. And today you'll be with me in prayer. Man, he, those ones that were mocking, he was dying. That was us, y'all. Yeah. It was our sin. Yeah. He loves us. Man, if we, we, if, let me put it this way. If we had the cure for cancer, guess what? First of all, you're a lawyer. But if we had the cure for cancer, we're going to give everybody cancer. Yeah. If you knew your neighbor down the street was dying, and you had the cure for that cancer, you're going to be banging on the door. Hey, let me in there. Let me get in there. I've got something that can save you. I've got something that can help you. Right? Yeah. Man, if you knew, if you're standing out here and one of these a semi truck running down this road and one of these babies is walking down that middle of the street, you're going to, no, stop. You're going to go grab them. You're going to rescue them. Yeah. If you're riding like down the, if you're deep sea fishing, you're riding in the ocean, you see someone floating out there, even if you don't know them, you're going to take that lifeline and you're going to throw it to them. And it's their job. They're the ones who are going to have to grab it. They're the ones who are going to have to accept it. They're the ones who are going to have to take it. But somebody's got to get it to them. Oh, amen. Listen, we have the lifeline. Most of us in this room, we've been saved by the grace of God and we need to look back. We need to look in and we need to look around and we need to look up because He's coming again and the time is short. There is coming a day when we can't work anymore. Y'all understand that? There's coming a time where the last conversation we could have with that person is going to be had. There's coming a time that last church service we can invite them to is going to be over. The last song is going to be sung. And all I want to just fire you up about tonight is this. Man, those people in your life that you know may not know the Lord, I'm not telling you you need to go show a Bible down those road because that probably ain't going to work. But you know what? You know what might work? If you're just gracious to them. If you just show the love of Christ to them. Maybe if you tell them about who you were before God changed your life. Amen. It's good. Man, He might change theirs. Yeah. Look back. Remember why? We've got to look back. We've got to look in. Confess. We've got to look around. We've got to get things right. We've got to look up. We've got to live every day like it's the last day that we can live. Let's bow our heads for prayer. I just want to ask you two questions tonight. If you're here tonight, you say, Preacher, if I were to die tonight, I'm not 100% sure that I'm saved. And listen, I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you out. I just want to pray for you. You say, Preacher, if I were to die tonight, I'm not sure I'm saved. I've never trusted Christ. I just want you to pray for me. Is anybody like that tonight? Just look for anybody tonight at all. Anybody at all tonight? If you're here tonight, and we're not going to have a long invitation, but I just want to ask you this question. If you're here tonight, say, Preacher, I need to look back. I may need to look in. I need to look up. Something in that text tonight. God spoke to me in some way, and I just want you to pray for me. Is anybody like that tonight? Just slip it up, slip it up. Of course, all over the room. 
Preacher, if you want to come, I'm going to pray, and we're going to pray together. And, uh, Isaac, I think we might just do this just for a minute tonight. If you just grab your guitar, I'm going to play one verse of invitation. Open this altar up tonight. Maybe you just need to find a place here in just a minute around this old-fashioned altar. Just ask God, Lord, thank you for saving me. You've been so good to me. Lord, I pray that you help me to have a burden. Lord, I pray that you help me to refocus you know, my purpose, the fact that you are coming back again. Let's stand at our feet tonight. I just going to play one verse. We're not going to belabor this tonight. This altar's open. Stand at your feet. If you need a place to pray, he's going to play. And we'll close the service here in just a minute. The altar's open tonight if you need a place. Look back. Look in. Look around. Look up. Maybe you got a sin you need to confess tonight. Maybe you need to ask him just to revive your heart for a minute tonight. Get back on fire. Get back where you were. He's been so good to us. Father, I do thank you for your love for us. Lord, I thank You that You paid a price we can never afford to pay. Lord, I thank You for the forgiveness of sins. Lord, I thank You for redemption tonight. Lord, I thank You for Your love and Your mercy and Your grace. Lord, I thank You we can come boldly, Lord, because of that price that You paid. Lord, I pray that we're just reminded tonight, Lord, of Your love for us, Your forgiveness. But Lord, I pray that we wouldn't just believe it in our heads, we'd believe it in our hearts and we put our faith into action. Lord, I pray for those of us that have lost family members and loved ones and co-workers. Lord, may we be a witness to them. Lord, I pray that daily we be people who look back, look in, look up, and look around. God, we love you. We thank you for who you are. In your precious and your holy name we pray. Amen. Thank you for that message, preacher. That was right on point. God spoke to my heart tonight.